Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Any more time, we'll get right into it. Two series that were eerily similar. Dropped the first game in embarrassing fashion. Second game squeaked by a little bit behind some great pitching. Then the third game, a massive late-game comeback by heroics from Miami's trade deadline acquisitions. So we'll start with Cincinnati. Um, and it already feels so distant, but that first game was pretty abysmal. Yuri's first start back, thought he did enough to win the game, but offense was just pretty stagnant in that one. That second game, Jorge Soler with the go-ahead homer. Braxton Garrett really found his stuff, faced a team that was that hits left-handed pitchers really, really well. Uh, still found a way to, to get the win there. And then, of course, that um, comeback victory Wednesday afternoon, fueled by Josh Bell's three-run game-tying homer. And then DLC getting the go-ahead homer in the ninth inning. So we've got Kevin here. We've got Alex Crutching. And we've got Eli. Of course, you guys have already heard from him. We'll go round table here. Just general takeaways from that series. It's a series where two teams are really, really struggling going into it, but one came out on top, and that was the Marlins. Yeah. Anyone who wants to go. It was a case where, as you mentioned, uh, it's at, going into that, the Marlins were such a frustrating team to watch, always finding different ways to lose. And the thing is, they finally met their match. They met a team that was in a very similar situation in the Reds, despite how much momentum and energy they had in the middle of the season. The Reds just as well, and probably more so in their case, their bullpen has been an issue for a little while, um, and their lineup hasn't been quite as explosive. That's kind of played out. Ellie De La Cruz has been 
one of the most talked about players in baseball during this middle portion of the season. And he barely did anything in this series. That's one critical piece that is going through some rookie growing pains. So the Marlins were able to produce offense late in those games against pitchers that just haven't been on top of their game. And then the Reds themselves didn't fight back the way that you would think. So certainly going to the final game, Josh Bell is what stood out being the only Marlin ever to hit homers from both sides of the plate in a, um, in a single game. So that was his defining game as a Marlins putting the team on his back. But then I think it was, uh, yeah, he got a lot of help in those other games of the series. Tanner Scott, I remember had at least one really dominant outing. And then David Robertson had a pair back to back. So that's no small thing that, that Robertson showing that he is kind of the player they thought he was when they acquired him, but then going all the way backwards to Yuri in the return of him, it was a tale of two times through the order. The first time through the order, he looks pretty much like the guy that we saw his previous stint with the Marlins. And then during the second time through got hit hard and he was nibbling around the corners of the plate, getting into some bad counts. And it was really his fastball that led to a lot of the damage. So you could really link that start his most recent one, a guy that has a deep and impressive four pitch mix relying really heavily on just his fastball and his slider when his fastball is not well located, hitters can catch up to 97, 98, and 99. And the Reds did that, uh, including Joey Votto, who was old enough to be his dad, hitting a home run off of him in that one. There is, I think that still hammers home. The main concern about this team moving forward is this rotation and how recently Sandy has been the one guy that looks to be at the top of his game. And then basically everybody else around him in this rotation is a big question mark right now. So that, and that even includes Yuri. Um, I don't think anybody, I, we weren't expecting him to pick up exactly where he left off. Cause even during that early portion of the season, as much as people don't want to admit it, he was overperforming a little bit. If you just look at the peripherals. So he was due to come back down to earth a little bit. That being said, it is a little jarring to see him get hit hard. You would think that when things go wrong with him, it'd be him putting on free base runners, making little mistakes, not holding, struggling to field his position and stop the running game. So to see him struggle in this particular way was a little bit concerning. Ultimately, it's not about style points. It's just about winning the game. And so they were able to get a couple of signature one-run wins on the end of that, which made all the difference and allowed them to, I think at this moment, they're now ahead of the Reds in the wildcard race. They are. They are tied for the tiebreakers as well. And allow Marlon's game pointed out to me. I, I completely forgot that that's a factor in this season. And so the, the Marlins own the tiebreaker over the Cubs. I believe they're 4-2 against the Cubs this year. 4-2, yeah, that's about right. I believe they're also ahead of Arizona. So th- those would be the only teams that are really competing against. I think the Giants and Phillies will probably stay at the top. But nonetheless, the series against another wildcard competitor that uh, went well, surprisingly. So we'll, we'll move on to this weekend. And Eli had mentioned it. Pitching struggles. Um, I was very disheartened and uh, a little scared about Jesus Lazardo's outing Friday night. But um, the next night, Saturday, of course, Sandy Alcantara, he might be back. Another complete game. Absolutely dominated the Yankees. Uh, maybe the most impressive complete game in quite some time, just given uh, what happened behind the plate that night with Angel Hernandez. I thought for sure. Skip was going to get injected this series, given what had happened earlier in the week. That's something we forgot to even mention. Skip injected twice against the Reds. That, that might not happen again. That's pretty rare to get injected twice in one series. But then, of course, today's heroic comeback win. Kevin, you were there as a fan today. 
tell us about the experience. Just you, you almost left it, it seems, but you, you got to stay and watch some history. Yeah, I, I was walking out, and you know, I was like, oh, seven to three. I mean, this team hasn't been crap in like you know, almost nine innings tonight as well. But man, I they kept me behind home plate right there on the concourse watching. It, it was cool, but I do want to, you know, Yuri. Uh, after like a quick first inning of work, you know, he just seemed like he never had. He was never finding the strike zone too well for the most part. Um, I believe he only ended up getting two walks or so, but I mean, when you look at it, um, didn't get many whiffs on the um, fastball, which is normal. Again, I just want to see if he's the changeup more. I don't know why he isn't using this changeup more. He mentioned it the first time that it was due to the, the you know, the tack baseball, but when he went back to to double A, they're not using tack baseballs anymore. I mean, by now you would think that he would have gotten used to that with the changeup, but guess not. I mean, he's been going fastball slider for the most part. Obviously, this is a really good Yankees lineup. They're pitching very carefully to judge. I believe he walked maybe three times, I want to say, throughout the throughout this game today. I want to say three. No, twice. So, and he didn't strike out. So, just, you know, something there to mention. Obviously, for the most part, you have Judge at the top, Gleyber Torres, Stan there. So, it was a tough lineup for Yuri. I guess, for the most part, he got hit pretty hard very early on. And it was kind of looking like, you know, what we, we saw on Friday night until, obviously, Miami was able to, to come back during the night, which, you know, I'll say it was lucky, but <laughs> this team has been in luck many times this year. They did it against Chicago. Obviously, we saw St. St. Louis game with hit, with hits through the ball up. Uh, I, think Kyle, I think Kyle mentioned that, or someone did, on Twitter. And, obviously, now I mean, they were able to come back win. I guess worth giving Josh Bell another shout-out. That guy's been great for Miami ever since coming here. Jake Berger walked it on, too. Kim Ng's looking pretty smart for those two trades there, obviously. Not only for this season, but going you know next season for Bell and then for, for Berger, you have until 2027, I want to say. Becomes a free agent in 28. So, can't be disappointed with the series. Miami getting two huge wins, and obviously I wasn't there. I couldn't watch the Sandy game. I was busy doing some other stuff, but... He was phenomenal for the most part from what I saw from box scores and everything else. So, huge win for Miami. Very much needed. I will say this was a much needed series to kind of separate yourself a little bit in a wild card. And they'll hold that third spot there. But Houston's a really good team, and that's what they've got coming next for them. It's not going to be easier from here. You saw Houston, L.A., San Diego, and I believe Washington. So, that should be kind of a cookie you know, series. Easy one. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that. We'll win week ahead and something I do want to talk about this Astros series and this road trip is going to be kind of crazy but you mentioned Josh Bell and these trade acquisitions have worked so well Alex Crutching if he's there he talked to Josh Bell um, for a piece that got put out this morning I believe on Josh Bell and just his adjustments taking a little deeper dive within that so Alex you want to preview that article just a little bit yeah and you know he kind of spoke on some of the things that the Veterans have been preaching about all season, which is the culture is different, the culture is different, and now Josh Bell comes in and he kind of mimics the same thing that they've all been saying. He said that Jacob Stallings, who's a former Florida State League teammate with him, um, I believe from their time uh, in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, um, actually uh, called him and you know gave him the whole rundown on the, the culture and the expectations and how they operate here in Miami. Um, he already called out certain guys in the locker room, uh, Josh Bell did, about, you know, who's the leader here. He mentioned Joey Wendell, John Birdie, Jazz Chisholm. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me was, uh, you know, the, the confidence that he got here 
in Miami that maybe he didn't have in Cleveland. He, he, he didn't say that he has more confidence here than he did in Cleveland, but what he did say was that the trust here uh, made him feel a lot better. You know, game one here in Miami, he's hitting third, while in Cleveland he was hitting fifth or sixth. And he, he told me, he said, it lit a fire underneath me to be given that trust right away from Skinner from the front office. And um, you, can, you can see it on the field. Remember, a lot of Marlins fans, well, they weren't against the Josh Bell trade, but it was more of, you know, we got Jake Berger and then also Josh Bell. Uh, but so far, Josh Bell has been, actually, in terms of win probability added, he came into this afternoon's game as the best Marlins hitter uh, since the trade deadline. So, yep, uh, we uh, linked the article here in the spaces. I think you should all give it a read. Uh, him and Jake Berger have been great. It was a tremendous trade deadline for Kim Ang. Uh, Jake Berger came through today with that game-winning hit. Um, I, you know, I, I think that they're both the best trade deadline acquisitions that the Marlins have had since Starling Marte, and they wound up making the playoffs that year off of off their shoulders. Hey, it's awesome stuff. The game to read. Josh Bell's a pretty good interview. He's definitely happy to be here. Uh, he told me that his sister is a University of Miami alumnus. So uh, any you fans out there, you graduates like. Uh, Mr. Eli here. There you go. There's a connection there. I also talked to all the trade deadline acquisitions that are on the Major League roster right now. Um, that, that got posted a few days ago. If you have yet to read that, go ahead. I think a lot of you guys already have. But it's definitely a, an interesting deadline and one that the Marlins early returns are saying that they want it. I mean, Jake Berger and Josh Bell are both hitting well above uh, 300 at this point in time since they came to Miami. David Robertson, after couple of those blood saves he's really dialed it in Jorge Lopez he's been struggling this year a little bit but uh, he's definitely got the right stuff he could um, definitely get it together here down the stretch and I would be intrigued to see if Brian Weathers comes back up at all so overall very good deadline dividends are paying off very very quickly so um, well, let's talk a little bit just about this offense. It's very up and down. There's some games where you just can't hit the ball, but then you have the day where they throw in eight runs. Where are you guys just open-ended here to think uh, this team could go just in terms of get, getting a more consistent offensive approach at the plate? Or any numbers you guys have noticed? Very quickly, you guys talked about Josh Bell. He's going to be the next guest for our filter, so stay tuned. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring up, you mentioned Josh Bell, the way he's playing, how confident are we that he will opt in to next season? I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that $16 million player option. He would have to go scorch earth, I feel like, to be able to go get more money next offseason. But at the same time, he's playing that way right now. So yeah. I, think it, I think it's a higher probability that he opts out of his player option than if Jorge Soler opts in. And that might not even be that much of a hot take. I think it's out there for the taking. I don't know exactly. Did you did you mix that up? I don't know how you, the way that you said it. They're both in the same situation. They both could opt out. I think people are overreacting to two weeks of Josh Bell. If he keeps this up for another month and a half, then he'll opt out. But I don't think that's a realistic expectation. As exciting as this is, as compelling as this is, I think people just need to enjoy this. I think it's something to revisit. If he keeps up this level of production for another couple of weeks, then you revisit it. But it is a different situation. This is a guy for the last calendar year. He just has not been a good baseball player. That's a big sample. Like 170-something games 
with the Guardians and with the Padres. Um, not a good baseball player. So $16.5 million, that's more than significantly more than Soler is in line for. Guys that are only about a year age difference anyway, I think even less than that. So, yeah, for the moment, I think you enjoy the ride. He's helping them win games. And I think for the moment, you have to say it's more likely than not that he's going to stick around. But um, if he makes it a hard decision, then that will probably mean that the Marlins themselves are much more likely to actually make the playoffs this year. If they make the playoffs because with Josh Bell as their most productive hitter down the stretch, then I think that's a very fair trade-off. And then who knows? Maybe they uh, are in the market to bring him back. They don't have a great first base success plan. People may disagree depending on how they value Troy Johnson, but even if he does opt out, you wonder how much the Marlins would be in the market to uh, bring him back regardless. Kev saw. 
um, where he had his first career start. He said it himself. He felt much, much better. Uh, fastball command was much better. I know Pipeline printed about him that fastball command was like a main thing he needed to improve. And I think in this start, he really showed that. Uh, slider's still inconsistent. I know Isaac had questions about the slider. He said himself, slider was still pretty inconsistent, something he wants to work on. But man, this is a young kid making his way, and he's already doing so, so much, so, so well. Um, and he's just going to get built up to his full uh, full workload is what really needs to happen. He's only going, what, uh, 1.2 innings, and then yesterday, 2.1. So um, still very early for him, but um, I like what I'm seeing so far from him. There's a lot of other FCL guys. I'll, I'm going to write about this shortly. I'm going to have it out probably tomorrow morning, Eli. On um on these guys in the FCL and what, what I saw from them these last two two times out the meet that I was there and Kev was there for the first time so fun at the lower levels as well um man what else can I say uh yeah I mean man it's it's, it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, an interesting time to cover this minor league system after what they cleared out but um there's still some guys to cover here still some talent here that we can point to and say okay these guys are decent Jacob Barry is another guy that people don't want to hear about but. The guy's been good lately. Um, yeah. I've liked him lately. Kev can tell you that too. We've liked him lately, right, Kev? Go ahead. I'll let you talk on Barry. Go ahead. I'm impressed. That's all I can say. They still play him at third base at times, and that kind of pisses me off a little bit, but it's fine. Um, aside from that, I mean, he's been better. It's, obviously, it's not to Jacob Barry that Miami got the draft, but it's better than whatever he was doing at low A and high A. I'll tell you that much. I guess he needed, I guess, more different competition, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, if he keeps going at this pace, it's nice, I guess. It's not, obviously, you're not getting what you got, what you expected in a draft, but definitely a player that is not bad. I, I think that's the way, best way to put it. I would have to look at the numbers. Obviously, they played the game today, or they're playing it right now, so that those numbers will change. But ever since joining the Walkins, he's been a lot better than, you know, usual. And I think if you even look at the last month, I want to say, since around June, he's in oh, just a bit over league average, which is, I guess, encouraging, if you want to put it like that. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been good. Uh, shout out Jose Devers. He's still been pretty good for the Wahoos, if I'm correct. I haven't looked at his numbers in a bit, but just obviously the Wahoos social media team puts a lot of their highlights out there. So a lot of Jose Devers, Victor Mason Jr. I know he had a homer the other day or something like that. It's been, you know, that upper level is nice. You know, it's, it's a good level. And obviously, we could talk about pipeline them updating that list a lot better than what they've done in past years so yeah a lot from the minor leagues a lot a lot to get into but obviously we have a we're, we're talking about the Miami Marlins where playoff contention so we could do that minor league talk for another day will Banfield off Otako today as well that's the last thing I'll say but yeah we can we can hold minor leagues for there but uh yeah it's been a fun week we need right? to, uh, just we to, do a we need to do a podcast you know Oh, we levels. will. Yeah, you know we will. So, um, but yeah, some some fun stuff going on down there, especially with what they cleared out. Um, it was it was a fun couple weeks. Um, but I know you guys got to get speakers uh, on this great Marlins Wednesday, so we'll go to that. Go ahead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We'll go. Let's go week in review. You talked about we want to talk about a playoff team. I think this week's going to be really, really telling both the teams. The Marlins have to face this week 2017 World Series participants. Of course, rosters aren't nearly the same, but these are both great teams as of late. Uh, the Astros are really, really getting hot right now. They're impressive. And the Marlins will see their three best pitchers this week, all in order. Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Justin Verlander. One of Verlander's first starts back uh, with the Astros. And the Marlins, uh, back into the rotation, will be out there. Uh, minus Lazardo, but Lazardo hasn't been that good as of late. So Monday will be Framber Valdez versus Brax Garrett. Uh, Braxton, I'm encouraged by him and what he did against Cincinnati, but um, he will face a tough Astros lineup Tuesday. I think that's the game that maybe Miami could win. Johnny Cueto versus Christian Javier. Javier hasn't been great as of late. I know it's crazy to say that the, the Marlins could win the Johnny Cueto game, but Javier hasn't been great. Uh, Cueto, as long as you give him six innings, maybe three earned runs, even four, I think maybe you've got a shot. And then Wednesday, Verlander versus Lazardo. I mean, I feel like the Marlins, for once, are outmatched with starting pitching. And uh, this Astros series is going to test them. I, I just want to get have them get out of there without getting swept. But if the Marlins do somehow take two out of three, I would be mightily impressed. And then this weekend starts um, a six-game road trip out to Southern California. Mr. Isaac Azut will be there for, I believe, five of the six games. I think he's missing one of the ones in San Diego. If I'm not the last one in L.A. Last one. But last one in L.A. But he will be there for two L.A. games, three San Diego games. We'll get to see old friend Garrett Cooper out there. Um, we'll get to see old friend Miguel Rojas as well. I mean, I, I used the word friend lightly there. But uh, <laughs> either way, really, really tough stretch of play coming up for the Marlins. If you really want to look ahead, they do have San Diego. And Kev talked about, you know, the quote-unquote break against the Nationals, if you want to call it that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself there saying that. But it, it's a tough Stretch coming up. I'm particularly really, really interested in this Astros series. We'll go round table here with uh, our collection of speakers. So what, what do you guys see coming ahead this week? Very quickly, Eli, you would think they make a roster move tomorrow. For, to, I guess send down Brosvon. I believe he went over 40 pitches. You would bring in a fresh arm that's already on the 40 man, right? Yeah, so it's a question of whether it's today or tomorrow because he won't be available for the Astros series. Um, so even if it's not a like production-based demotion, he's just simply the way that they use him. Yeah, they need a fresh arm. Tommy Nance, uh, he today I believe was the the completion of his rehab assignment. I think this was like the exclamation point that says like, eh, he, 
he's a viable pitcher again. So he went back to back uh, days in Pensacola, scoreless outing, seven appearances overall. He's coming back soon. Um, he's not going to pitch tomorrow. He won't be available tomorrow. So the question is, do they bring him back even if he's not going to be available to pitch? Or do they have like one of those in-between moves? You know, sometimes they do it where they call up a guy just for a single day to fill an opening and then option him or DFA him. So they might bring up, what, Jeff Hartlieb? They might bring up anybody else that's either on the 40-man or even if they're not on the 40-man because they have an open spot right now. So, yeah, I do expect Brazabon to get sent down either tomorrow or on Tuesday for somebody new to add length to their bullpen. And um, yeah, we'll see what Nance is capable of when he comes back. He had some bright moments last year. Obviously, he's been out all of this year with a shoulder issue. Just for reference, the only relievers right now, at least in Jacksonville, that are on the 40 man are Josh Simpson and G.L. Hartlip, as you said. So we could probably expect Hartlip to be up there. Wait, who was the second one? I'm not saying the last name, man. I tried. You know who I'm talking about. He was the one... He gave up with Lonzo and Luis Garcia. That's all you need to know. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, any last thoughts about this series this week? Really, really big week coming up for the Marlins. This is probably the toughest week yet. Yeah. I'll just say that Framber Valdez is having an odd year. Last year, he was so ridiculously consistent for the Astros, and this year has been the opposite of that, where he's been good overall. But there's been a lot of blow-up outings, a lot of big innings. And you like look at his game logs, and he still gives length. But every so pretty frequently, he's given up crooked numbers along the way. So I'll be interested to see how that translates, even though on paper he's such a decorated player. Um, like he's having a weird year. So I don't I wouldn't put it past the Marlins to win that that game that Framber starts as well. Um, yeah, other than that, this Astro scene is pretty good. Um Altuve has been pretty amazing over the last month plus they just lost Jose Abreu to an injury, but he had, he hadn't been a huge piece of their lineup anyway. So besides for Abreu, they're at mostly full strength. Their outfield is amazing. Um, yeah, it's a really deep lineup. It's a, it's a really good team overall. They, um, yeah, they're still fighting for that division title in the AL West. People kind of wrote them off behind the Rangers, but there it's only a few games in between them. So every game is pretty precious for them. And, um, yeah, they'll be uh, that game, and then combined with the Dodgers series as well. There haven't been that many weeks this year where they have two teams of that caliber back to back like this. So it'll be yet another big test. You know, we talked about this stretch of their schedule coming into it, and this individual week, we're right in the heart of this very tough stretch of this season. Where, uh, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how the Marlins are going to creatively come back to win as often as they do, but they've been doing it this far into the year. So even if they're at a talent deficit here, um, yeah, I, I, I've given up on like trying to anticipate exactly how these series are going to go. How about John Singleton's resurgence, huh? That's a, that's a fun player. I'm excited to see him. Um, my last, uh, Miami last year took two out of three against the Steve Houston team. Obviously different players now on each team, but Miami, you, you could argue that last season when they faced Houston, this team was worse. <laughs> The Marlins were worse than they are well, right I now. I don't so. think you have to argue that. The Marlins team last year is far worse than it is now. But it's just all about timing. Um, I, I don't think the pitchers they faced were that good either, um, if I remember correctly. I, I, I mean, it's, it's just all about Garcia. timing. They, I know they faced Verlander and Garcia. I think it was Garcia. And I know they took two out of three. And I know it was the first two that they took. 
in the third, which was the Verlander start they lost. And I believe it was a fairly close game in the score. They were the only NL team last year, I believe, to win a series against the Astros. But either way, it's, it's an entirely different um, time of year. The last two things I will say, um, actually, I forget what the second one was, so let's go with this. Kyle Tucker has been like the best hitting outfielder in all of baseball over the, the last month, in my opinion. So, uh, maybe I'm showing my hand for my series MVP pick, but he's been really, really good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes off this week, but the other thing I would say really quick, Grant, just on what we were talking before we get too far, I know you got to get to, to super subscribers here, but the only other thing I would say... Yeah, we got trivia. Yeah, I know, I know. But the only other thing I would say before we get too far off topic is what Kevin was saying about bullpen guys um, and a guy that is on the 40-man that I would not be opposed to see come up and contribute to this bullpen down the stretch and in these meaningful games is Edward Cabrera. Um, I would like to see him contribute to at least the bullpen. Uh, he started last night. It was fantastic. We know what he's done as a starter lately. Um, why not get him some innings in the bullpen? Like, why Why? Why? why is that so far-fetched? I think that should definitely be a thing. I don't know if you guys have thought on that. Yeah, that's a really interesting one because Cabrera, obviously he really struggled, and the cherry on top was that six-walk performance where he just could not throw the ball over the plate, right? And so he was sent down after that. It was sort of speculated that that might happen. But from what I understand, it, it was just as much an attitude situation as there was a performance issue with Cabrera. I, I dug I dug up some stuff about that, and I confirmed that. Yeah, Craig came on here and said that last week, I believe. Did, oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's known at this point. That right, yeah. So I, I, if it were just a performance thing, then yeah, I think they'd bring him back up and try him in the bullpen. But I, I don't know if they're really in love with this player. I don't know. That's just my thought. And then they tried to trade for Brandon Rogers last season. So they've obviously looked into shopping. We are getting calls on this year. Yeah. It's just crazy because, you know, just a few years ago, he and Sixo Sanchez were, you know, at the top of the prospect board. And it was thought that Cabrera could be much better than what Sixo was showing, how incredible he could be in 2020. And, you know, neither of them have really shown anything as of yet. If it's not him, uh, and that's, yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough to see uh, similar situations for both of those players. But if it's not Edward, if you go to a player that's off of the 40-man roster, um, I would probably say Daniel Cassano um, should be the guy that you go to for length. That guy's been really good in AAA. Um, he has, yeah. So, so, yeah. I, I would probably say him for length. Um, Another lefty. They, they have, what, I think it's nine left-handed pitch, pitchers. And yeah, they do. From staff right now, so I don't, yeah. I don't know. There's much fan for Castano right now, but if they need a spot starter, I totally agree that I would give him a shot. Yeah, there's no, there's no like, like just so, still like works. Like that guy. Every time they need a, a long reliever, it's that guy, and he's done well with it. But man, if you need innings, I think that that's uh, that's a good way to go. Even though, yes, you're right, it's another lefty, and they have so many. But um, I think that that would be. It would be advantageous if, if it's not Edward, but I would like to see Edward in the bullpen, man. I think he's at least earned that. There's like no one else, though. Like, I, I feel well, like you know, long term, Edward would be good in the bullpen. And I also think if Trevor Rogers pitches again this year, which I don't, he won't. he'll be in a bullpen role. He's for sure not starting again this year. I, I can tell you that right now. Because whose spot are you going to have to take? When would he even come back? I mean, the guy's not even throwing yet, and we're almost midway through August. So even if he were to come back, I think he would be in a bullpen role at that nah. point. Nah. Well, like, like we saw in, his la- in the last injury update, he still has to throw. So 
Um, maybe tomorrow we'll get another update. Likely still not throwing. So, you know. Yeah. yeah the, 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 very, the very last thing before you guys get the speakers on bullpen that I will say is this guy is not with the shrimp right now, but he is scheduled to be back, I think, pretty shortly. Uh, from what I'm hearing, is Anthony Maldonado. Um, I would look out for that arm because I know that he is uh, rehabbing with Jupiter. He's doing pretty well. His velo is right where it should be. Um, that guy, I know, is coming back from hip injury. Um, it was kind of a confusing injury for him and the people around him. But I do know that he's on his way back. And when he does get back, if he's at full strength, that'll be like it was, it was Sean Reynolds before he got traded. Now it's Maldonado as the guy that you really want to see come up as long as he's fully healthy. So I think that guy will make a difference as long as he's healthy. Pipeline added pipeline added him to uh, the top 30. Right? Yeah, they could add anyone to that top 30. <laughs> yeah, they, they had some random double-A reliever right before the update. I think it was like Matt Pusher or something. They they added him to the top 30, like barely like in the middle. And I was like, oh my God. Whatever. Yeah, I, I not nothing that has nothing to do with pipeline, but I do think that that arm can make a difference. And I no, no, it's just a yeah, it's just fair to mention he got added there. I think this is the first addition to pipeline too, which I don't I, I don't suggest you guys to look too much into pipeline. But yeah. all right, let's without further ado, let's uh we'll wrap up our talk and we'll listen to you guys. But first, something we're doing different today. We got some tickets to give away. If you heard at the top of the show, we do have some tickets to Wednesday night's game, Justin Verlander versus. Hazel Luzardo at the ballpark. So, Eli, I'm going to let you take it from here so I don't mess anything up, and uh, we'll, we'll get the people going and try and give away some tickets here. All right. Ticket giveaway, courtesy of our pal Sean in the U.K. Two tickets that are in row one of section 135 for Wednesday's game against the Astros. Giving them away just based on this trivia question. Um, so... You're going to to answer the question, or you're just going to do rapid-fire call-ins for people to guess in if they want to win. You just request, and you call in. For those of you that already requested, I see LMF and Sharif and uh, Robinson. Um, yeah, if you guys want to actually win the tickets, then um, you got to start over again. So for people that request in now, when I, once I read the question, you got to wait until I read the question. You got to wait until I read the question, and then request, and I'll call on first people give priority to the super subscribers so i'll read the question i'll read it a second time and then i'll start calling on people to try to answer this question it's a marlins and astros trivia question about yuli guriel because he's on the marlins now he had a big hit today to start that rally he was on the astros last year won a world series title with them all right so here is the question for the two tickets to wednesday you're gonna tell me in Yuli Gurriel's final game as a Houston Astro, where did he bat in their lineup? So that was last season. For these tickets, you just request if you want a chance to answer it. Yuli Gurriel, 2023 Marlin, but in 2022 on the Astros. The final game he played in 2022 with the Astros, where did he bat in their lineup? So, since I read it, I see we've had two new requests from Zoe and also from Thomas. So I'm calling those guys first. If we don't have any new super subscribers buzzing for a chance to win, one more time, where did Yuli bat in the Astros lineup for the final game that he played with them last year? So I saw Zoe first. I'm going to bring him in. We're going to double check that he's actually wanting to win the tickets. 
Mr. Zoe, are you buzzing in for the trivia question to win two tickets to Wednesday's game? Hmm. I'm seeing him in here. He shows up as a speaker for me. Hmm. Maybe we're going to try it one more time. I mean, worst case, since he was the first one, you could like let him DM you the answer, I guess. Tense. Tense. He batted tense. Oh, wait. Let me try one more time. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now can you speak, so? show for me either damn i don't know let's see if thomas has better luck with it did it work for thomas yeah i think so are you buzzing in to try to win the tickets and answer the trivia question yes all right so what is your guess to that question i'm, I'm gonna guess eight no so close. Good guess, though. Very good guess. It is, it is not eighth. Thank you for trying, though. Thank you for competing. We can try Zoe one more time. He shows up as a request again. Now can you speak, Zoe? Or still no? Still just connecting. He's there. Can you guys hear me? Oh, there he is. Let's go. Yeah. Yes, hey, sir. Guys. I've been listening to you guys for quite a while, so uh, I appreciate, obviously, some good content here uh, from a fellow Miami and baseball fan as well. Uh, this Marlins team has kind of got <laughs> me back into cheering for the Marlins after probably about maybe four or five years, like, unbearable, can't root for them. Uh, I'm going to guess that Yuli hit, let's say, six. Woo! <laughs> That's a pretty good pretty good Astros lineup they had there so yes new bottom three congratulations yes yes game five 2022 world series he had sixth he hurt his knee so he didn't even play in the final game of that series (laughs) no congratulations i I will dm you uh the details to get you those tickets thanks for listening to us and yeah good guess there yeah Yeah, you're welcome guys anytime uh i mean i don't know how you guys you guys obviously have a pretty cool little click uh going on there stating some cool baseball facts i don't know how to kind of get more involved with you guys and maybe contribute a little more uh, i played baseball christopher columbus high school and it was you know pretty good um and I just, I just think what you guys are doing is just fucking awesome for lack of better words so uh thanks for obviously supporting such a cool marlins team and uh i guess i'll be at the game on wednesday <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot hey, I'll, I'll tell you what since you're here now we're getting into fan questions if you got any questions about this team or just pertaining to baseball we'll, we'll let you be us off here with the, with the fan callers oh okay okay good one um let me think here um put me on the spot but i have a couple good good i've had a couple good ideas and good questions let me see if we can put one an interesting one together um let's see is there actually? I, I do a pretty interesting question here. Let's say Yuri gets uh, caught up. You know, we're down the stretch. We're using Yuri as a starter, and you know, let's say we do punch a ticket into the second or third world uh, wild card slot. Is there a chance if he's really tight on innings? I know it's obviously it's a very dangerous front three. Us putting Sandy, Lizardo, and then Yuri. You know, split the lefty with the two righties in a three game series. 
But if Yuri is tight on innings, have we heard any rumblings about maybe putting Yuri towards the back end of that bullpen? You know, live arm can come in at, you know, seven, eight high leverage innings and take care of that. I know obviously difficult to switch him maybe from the starter mindset over to a, a bullpen kind of mindset. But if he is tight on innings, I think that's too good of an arm for us to not have involved in the playoff run, you know, maybe try to upset a team or two. There haven't been any rumblings about that per se, but yes, I 100% agree that that will be an option for them. I think that is the, the route they'll take uh, when he does or reaches innings. Like, what is, how many innings does he have for the year? I think he's got maybe like four, 30 left before he reaches the preseason limit. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I definitely do see them, you know, even in late September, I could see them transitioning him to the bullpen just to sort of you know, save some innings, and that'd be a hell of a piece that add to the back uh, back end of your bullpen, especially with all the lefties they have back there. They don't really have a, a power right-handed guy, and, you know, type of Lopez, maybe Robinson is a different type of pitcher, but... Exactly. Maybe, maybe pair, like, you know, like, for example, I can see on paper, obviously, never, never turns out that way, but, you know, like, Yuri in the seventh, then you bring in Tanner Scott to the ace, get that lefty-righty combo, and then finish him off with someone, like, that doesn't have maybe the high low stuff, but kind of has obviously more of pitch craft in the ninth with Robertson. I think that, you know, we put that behind maybe six or six or so from Lazardo or six or so from Sandy. Obviously, you want more from Sandy, but you know, you never know what happens. You know, those innings could get stressful in the postseason. Yeah. We, we, before you joined, we were speaking about Edward Cabrera, so I don't know if he's someone that they would want to try doing that with first. Before That'd be a good idea with him, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so. yeah, that's what I think. Um, I think it would happen with Edward before Yuri. I think they want Yuri to continue to start baseball games, honestly. Um, even if it's two, three innings at a time, you know, okay. I, I think it would be okay like to just mm-hmm. run him out as like a glorified opener, I guess, or a bigger bullpen with like Edward or somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I think I think overall it's going to be Yuri staying in the rotation and maybe somebody like Edward or maybe Castano, like we mentioned before, coming in, maybe hoeing again. I don't know, whatever it is, as the as the cleanup guy. Um, I think that's probably a more realistic route because I do think they want Yuri to continue to start baseball games. Hey, yeah. they put Doc D train in the bullpen in 03. That's a good point. And just because we're here, I got kind of got another interesting one. What is the chances, especially seeing uh, Bruce Sherman's reaction? Like, you know, he's right there, sitting right next to the field. That ninth inning, this you know, this afternoon, us absolutely madness fighting back. There's no quit in this team. What are the chances that maybe Sherman doubles down on what he's been saying and saying, you know, at the end of the year, if we do end up in the postseason, and you know, maybe we upset the team but end up losing. What are the chances that he opens up the pocketbook a little bit and says, hey, Solaire, you know, you like Miami. I sat next to, like, his wife a couple weeks ago at a game. Like, the little boy was there. They were having such a good time. Uh, what are the chances that, you know, maybe we bring back Solaire, Bell opts in, and now we really have a deep lineup going into, you know, 2024, that would be, with a group of guys that loves to play together, second-year manager and skip. You know, you build on your success. Last thing we want to do is get into the postseason and then, you know, we kind of lose a couple of key key positions. And I think that if Solaire does walk, we still have Berger and and Bell to kind of cover that power, you know, middle of the lineup, driving some runs. But it would be amazing if we can figure out a way to keep him because he's carried this team in the first half. Uh, we can't forget about that. We wouldn't be in the position where we're at right now if it wasn't for him. Yeah. The complication is ties into whatever the hell they're going to do at shortstop and at catcher. Cause those are two big positions that are really expensive usually to address one way or the other. And those are the ones that as much as they value Solaire, 
Uh, those are the positions that are the biggest question marks for the organization going forward, where the internal options aren't like super sexy either. Those are the, those are, I would imagine the biggest priorities in the off season. Um, I, I am optimistic that he'll continue the trend of spending more and more and more than he has uh, to justify how things are going um, as this weekend in particular, as optimistic as they were, the fact that they kind of hit their ambitious goal with all the people that came out to this ballpark. I think he is somebody there. Are, there are some owners that are just um, that there are some owners that are very cut and dry that are um, very unemotional that run their, they run their organization just like as a business. And he's a guy that I think is a little bit more, he, his, his emotions can kind of like, actually pull him in one direction or another. I feel like he is a guy that depending on the success or lack thereof that this team has the rest of the way, I think that could influence exactly where the money goes uh, moving forward. But yeah, it ties into those other positions that um, are either going to be super expensive in free agency or could even in terms of just trading for guys could be pretty pricey as well. So I think those shortstop and and catcher, those are going to take precedent um, in terms of how much they're willing to commit on DH types like Solaire, as good as Solaire has been. Yeah, I actually agree with you, Eli. I mean, I think that I, mean, I wasn't thinking in that mindset because I'm trying to come up with a quality question. But yeah, you're you're 100 right. Those up, those upper middle positions, catcher's been miserable for us this year, especially offensively. And then you know, shortstop's not far behind. Great. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Zo or Z O. Right, it's Z O, right? Not Zo. Yeah, it's, it's, those are my initials. My right. name is Zach, guys. And next to meet everyone. Uh, I appreciate the time. I'll stop talking now because I'll, I'll, I'll be here all day. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'll, I'll DM you the details about the tickets. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Take your time. Thanks, man. Yo, have hey, fun. Enjoy. 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 Yeah, yeah. That's an awesome game to, to be a part of. I'm going to see a future Hall of Famer. Chase, got to see pretty good game, pretty good series. Man, talk to us. 
It was an adventurous series at that. Uh, but before I, I, I ask my question, speak about the, the series, I did have um, a thought on Tommy Dance. Uh, is he close to being back from rehab? Uh, I saw that he was in some starts for time down there. Eli mentioned it, that I believe today was his last rehab start, Eli, or something like that. Yeah, it is, it is my anticipation yeah. that he'll be back very, very soon. Usually the very last step in proving your healthiness is pitching back-to-back and pitching well, as he did yesterday and today with Pensacola. See, so I think his return to the 40-man is imminent. It's just a question of whether they call him up or whether they option him to Jacksonville. And considering what we saw from Brazabon today, the way that they used him, the fact that he won't, be available for a while i think um yeah the clues seem to point in a pretty clear direction that nance i expect him to be up at some time during this astro series well, I, maybe, maybe i do have a feeling sorry Elmet, but just to kind of bounce off eli i was looking at you know obviously the 40 man who's on it and who isn't would it surprise you eli if maybe josh simpson's the one that replaces brazilbon and obviously dfa partly to um get a Nance not in the 40-man, because that's the obvious DFA candidate there. Unless I'm missing someone who's on the, a reliever that can double Arizona on the 40-man, but the only one I can think of right now is, is Hartley. DFA fixed though. No, I, no you're, you're over, I think you're overthinking it. Hartley, because he's on the 40-man, he's the one. And um, also, Simpson pitched today, whereas oh, I think Hartley did not. I think it's pretty simple that if they need an in-between guy to call up, it will be Hartley, and then um, whenever they need to make a decision about him on the and DFA him, that's probably coming at some point. But yeah, just one day at a time in terms of him. And then, yeah, we'll see Nance and figure out uh, how, how that goes from here. And hopefully we get an update on Chagua sometime soon. Um, we haven't really heard anything since he went on the IL. Um, so it's pretty, I, I do wonder whether or not he'll actually be back this season. That's a word. Anytime somebody gets injured from now, moving forward, you need a question about whether, or not they're actually going to come back at some point. So that's another question that we'll probably get a little more info on tomorrow. Maybe we find out, yeah. Oh, I, I had actually missed that. So I guess Craig was right, huh? He was injured. Expect that last few spaces. Yeah, yeah, he's injured. Yeah. I had meant to ask him about it because I thought it was, it was a good theory. Like, the guy just hadn't pitched in, like, weeks at that point. It was pretty obvious that something was up. I actually completely
players have to be on this roster to be on the postseason roster. I think that was like September 1st, if I'm not wrong there, or August 31st, if you could answer that first. Oh, I love clarifying this every year. I'm eating dinner, but I took a break in order to answer this very important question. To get Because there's always a little bit of confusion about this. As long as the player is in the organization before September 1st, so by August 31st, they are playoff eligible. It's really that simple. As long as they're in the organization before the start of September, uh, they could be used later on in the playoffs. You know, During the course of September, it's, it's a different question in terms of who gets called up. Um, during the course of that month with the extra spots. But for guys, just to be playoff eligible. As long as they're at some level of this organization right now, um, yeah, they could be used. Thank you. Yes, what confused me is last year with Aguilar being released on the 28th, and then he had to find the organization quick. So that makes sense. Thank you uh, for clarifying. Um, that brings me to the kind of takes part of it out. But uh, when are they going to DFA Garcia? Because the way I see it, is he's $12.5 million they're going to pay anyway, and he's getting paid that holding a roster spot up for someone on the bench. Uh, what are your thoughts on Garcia right now? He's not getting DFA'd. Until so the, uh, we stopped. Right now he's not getting DFA'd. I, they're not going to get the money. He's just there, obviously. Uh, I was a little surprised he didn't play the first two games. Just uh, I guess the more not surprised, just the fact that they haven't played him as much as I thought they would have. But obviously when we have Sanchez and DLC playing the way they are, they, they should keep him on the bench and I don't think they're DFAing. I'll just keep it like that. Maybe in the offseason they look for a trade partner, worst case. But I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. They have a lot of money on him right now. So I think just, I guess he's a nice pinch hit bat. And if you never need him to give Sanchi or DLC an off day, may as well. So. Or even Jazz. They've played him in center field a couple times already this year. That's, that's an expensive option, though. I will say, Kevin's right. It won't happen this season. But I don't expect him to be on the opening day roster in 2024. He's a negative asset. You have to get the money. Eventually, they can't do two more years of this if they expect to compete. I think 2024 is probably your, your do or die year. 2025, it could get a little bleak from there, but I don't think you can expect to compete with him holding one of those 26 roster spots beginning of next year. I would, assume the, answer, I would assume the answer is a no, but I would like to ask someone like Craig if they tried to dump him off somewhere like they did with Segura. I would think the answer is no, but, you know, kind of like what they did with Segura where they attached Watson to dump off Segura. I, I would think maybe they did, but I'm starting to think no, just given that he's injured and all that. Well, it's I, I wouldn't say It's that. a different contract, too, a different contract. So. Well, then what they got, they actually got something in return for Segura and, and Watson. Well, Watson, so, that's why, because they got Watson in return. There right, so Cleveland. I wouldn't necessarily call that I feel like, although we did say like last year that in order to get Abiseo Garcia out of the organization, you'd probably have to attach like Gary. I remember that being said in a spaces. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true at this moment. He is so far underwater that they don't have a prospect that like offsets it right now. They, that's how how bad it is. Um, it is yeah. So I will just simply agree with what Grant said that the way things are trending with Avi, I would expect him to be out of the organization this offseason. I think th that's going to be it. But in the meantime, I think he'll stick around. And I, the way that they're using him, um, to Kevin's point, I'm kind of um, pleasantly surprised. And I think it's accurate that you just start him against occasional, against most lefties. And then aside from that, he is a pinch hitter. 
for the you know the guys at the very bottom of your offensive depth chart. He's a pinch hitter for catchers late in the game or a pinch hitter for Wendell when they bring in a lefty at a certain time. And that's about it. And so he's going to have a limited role on this team. And I imagine the role will shrink even a little bit more once rosters expands. But I do think he's going to be on the roster the rest of this way. And then they're going to make a pretty tough call on him in, in the offseason with two more years still guaranteed, plus the buyout of that 2026 club option. Wow. Yeah. So, so it has, yeah, it has gone uh, pretty poorly. And all you can do in the meantime is, uh, prioritize all the other outfielders ahead of, ahead of him and just make sure that you, you don't play him unless it's an extremely favorable matchup. It also shows how this organization feels about Avi already, that they've kind of cut the leash loose. Where they're to, I mean, he's on the team, but he's just sitting on the bench. And, you know, as Eli said, they'll use him in limited capacities like they did today to, to get Stalin down the, ground the lineup for. I guess the matchup was ideal there, but... I mean, just, just another example of how they used Avi today, which was the first time in, I think, like two or three days that they've used him because I don't think he played – well, did he play the last game of Cincinnati? I don't think he did. Ever since then, I, don't, I haven't seen him in the lineup. He did. He did. Okay, um, so he didn't play the first He batted in that ninth years. inning, and I was kind of scratching my head, like, why don't you bring up Sanchez here? <laughs> yeah, I – and I'm happy that Sanchez is getting the playing time he deserves. He should be starting over Avi. Uh, as, as much as possible. I do have some stats to throw out before I let you guys go uh, to the next, so thanks again for this time. Um, regarding the Astros, we did, as you mentioned, beat them two out of three. We beat Garcia in game uh, one, yeah, uh, with, yeah, which was 6-10. And then Valdez, we beat, he faced Brax on 6-11 last year. We won that 5-1. to one. And DLC is the only person on our current roster that got a hit off uh, Verlander last year in game three. So hopefully better results this time with a better team. So thank you guys. It's still Marlins. We'll see you at the ballpark this week. Let's get louder. Oh, super subscribe right now. Those listening go super subscribe for $3 on fish on first. Cheers. Look, I forgot to do the promo. So uh, thank you, Chase, just as the nature of our giveaway. Once again, congratulations to, uh, CO for winning our little giveaway. So, yeah, we got Romeo in here, super subscriber, $3 a month, all sorts of benefits. Uh, the, the reason why we promote it here is you get first priority to speak in these spaces. So, but Romeo's in here. LMF was a super subscriber, of course. But floor is yours, Mr. Romeo. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Good. It's going good. Kevin, you were down before everything started. I defended you last week, right? And you were down the promenade level and you didn't come say what's up to me? I didn't see you. I walked. It took like a, like two laps. I was 18, man. I was 18. That crowd was that crowd was big. So it was, and the concourse was pretty full for the most part. So Yeah, I'm just kidding with you, man. I'll see you tomorrow, though. I'll see you tomorrow. Probably not. I'm, they move me. <laughs> I'm all the way at the oh, bottom by the field level. Yeah. I mean, I'll be on the field tomorrow, so I'll see. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Let's see. Back to what I was going to say. How far – I doubt that he pitches this year, but how far is Max Meyer? Last I seen, he was on, throwing, doing a throwing program, wasn't he? Yeah, that's the last we heard on him. He himself said he wanted to come back towards the end of the year. I don't, that's not happening. 
I don't think it will. It's not uh, so he's just progressing. He had been he's got to the point of throwing bullpens even, which was a very promising sign, but then he had a slight setback, I want to say a few weeks ago. And I believe he he has returned to throwing bullpens, but no, I think it it is close to zero percent chance we see him pitch this year. But he'll be full go, twenty twenty four, another rotation option for this team that it'll be much needed. Yeah. That was um I have something to confirm though. Uh, my man, my man, Daniel, Danny's not here, but while I was walking around, um, doing a, a lap around the field as a substitute soup, I ran into Miss Berger, Miss Ashlyn, I think that's how you say her name. Oh, Jake Berger's wife. Let's put it like that. Okay. I told her, and I know everyone, she asked her for, uh, requests for spots in Miami. And I told her she, she, that Flanagan's is a staple in Miami. And that she should go. And she said that when they get a chance on another off day, they will be going to Flanagan's. Just, just, just to confirm that for everybody. That, that's important news right there. Just in case Ooh, load off my mind. Whew, that's some hard hitting journalism right there. We should offer you a position the right place. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. That, that, that there you go. That, that's that was the most important part of the day right here. She told me that today. So yeah, we have. Yeah, important stuff here. Super super subscribers. That's what we do. What about what about Justin Lawrence report? Oh, he didn't pitch today, but I did see. He did blow a save the other day. I did see that. That one made me sad. But um, Rockies are a complete free fall. I mean, they have been all year, but man, he got a save at the end of July, and I believe against St. Louis, he got a save. Yeah. And then, yeah, the other day, there was in Milwaukee, a lot of hit, no runs. But, um, yeah, that's, just, that's the extent of Justin Lawrence. Um, my team actually coming together on fantasy. I picked up Josh Bell at the perfect time. So, W's all around here in, in, in the Romeo house. So, Any questions out, out of the Romeo house? How has your day been, Grant? And then that was my last question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very happy that the Marlins came back. So we'll just leave it at that. It made my day pretty good. And they definitely needed that win. That's all you got, man. Uh, we'll That's all I got. Going. Yeah. Uh, we got Sean in here. We'll still tomorrow's after dark. I need to come back on soon. It's been a bit. Uh, maybe we'll negotiate that. But uh, what's your question, my man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, question... Um, you have it come back to mind for me here. Uh, sorry, my kid just gave me a drawing. You're <laughs> answering the phone. Um, okay, the two two questions, and the one I remember right now is: so 15 games left in the month. What record would do you think you'd need to see them have for you to feel optimistic about a, being able to keep it going for the postseason? Wait, say it one more time. I missed the entire first half. I apologize. Record, what record would you want to see the team run off in their final 15 games of this rough August to feel optimistic going into September about that? I'm not a math major, but I would like to see probably. I'd like to win one game against the Astros. I'd like to try and come out of the West Coast trip at or above 500 for that stretch. Like just during those games, like three and three or whatever. Um, 
I want to sweep the Nationals. I feel like that's the standard at this point. They just own the Nationals at this point. Who is after I will just echo something I've said before that I think you guys are wasting your time trying to project opponent strength of schedule six weeks in advance. You simply do not, you have no idea what kind of opponent you're facing until maybe 10 days at most in advance notice. These things swing very suddenly due to, due to injuries and due to slumps. When we were looking at the Reds a few weeks in advance of that series, we're like, whoa, the Reds are trending in a tough direction. You got to go there on the road. You got no chance. And then obviously things change quite a bit, even late in the season, even after the trade deadline, even when it's rosters that are stripped of household names or established players, the, the way that they're performing can change pretty substantially in a short period of time. So I'm not even going to waste my time looking beyond like this week, like this week they go against an Astros team and a Dodgers team that are both pretty well-rounded and the Dodgers in particular have been uh lethal, at least offensively. And the question with them is going to be more on the pitching side. So yeah, I just take it one, we get a time when it comes to forecasting how the Marlins are going to do against them. I, I like telling people that as well. I, I sometimes get out of hand as you guys see. I've been talking about the August 2023 since like May 2023. But uh, to Eli's point, I mean, the, the Marlins wrecked the Brewers season last year. That final weekend, I remember that year, they, they completely wrecked it. And they, they won two games against Atlanta, which Atlanta was sorry for certain. And but, yeah, I, I'm not going to look forward to the September right now. I think I'm looking I, – I haven't truly looked past San Diego. I, I've been thinking about this next road trip, but it's just going to be nice to get the Astros series out of the way. I feel like it's been a big monkey in the Marlins back for a minute, or at least in my eyes looking at it. The schedule for Miami, that they're, they're a very tough team. I've been out of it, and I think the AL champion's probably going to be from the state of Texas. Um, I think it's going to be either one of the Rangers or Astros. But, yeah, to, to answer your original question, 
uh, I'll re- reiterate what I said. Um, just keep your head above water. Don't get swept at all. Um, I mean, even one win against Houston, I'm, I'm fine with you lose a series, whatever. Just go go out to Southern California. Go beat Garrett Cooper and Miguel Rojas, and uh, they'll be fine. Uh, all right, thanks. And then uh, I guess the second question, I did remember, it, it, as far as Yuri goes, it's what if we could, you know, what your thoughts were a little more on him as far as, I mean, if you want to go glass half full, um, you know, happy fan. I mean, you know, his first game back this week, a team that had already seen him, and it was his first game back. And then today, just a really tough lineup and the knowledge that he's facing Garrett Cole, <laughs> where there may have just been you know, some pressure or how is concerned are you about Perez? Like, do you think he just, like, well, I, as I say this, I realize he's facing the Dodgers in start three. So, in, let's say in two starts, I don't just kind of figure this out and rattle off a few good starts. And once he starts running out of innings, do you think that the team would consider using him as an opener, actually, uh, right, once you start you know, getting to shave things off rather than have him just jump out of the pen in late innings? Would it be just plug him in for two, you know, two, three frames at the start down the stretch from the second half of September? It's a good question. I'll let someone else take it, though. Yeah. What I'll say is, with him, I'm kind of looking forward to that Dodgers matchup, weirdly, uh, because what has bothered me a little bit, I think even right before he got sent down, but especially after, is how reliant he is just on fastball slider, just two-pitch guy. And some of that had to do today with going against a pretty heavy righty lineup, where against righties throughout most of the season, he's been really overly simplistic with that approach instead of using like his full arsenal. So I kind of like a matchup against the Dodgers in terms of just for his own personal development facing Freddie Freeman, facing Max Muncy, I think Jason Hayward, if he's still healthy at the moment, among others. Like that's going to be a test of his full pitch mix and getting him to a spot where he is comfortable using his changeup um, and and his curveball as well. But using those pitches what like to actually get the job done. And I think they'll be better off moving forward. I think just generally speaking, I, I, yeah, I'd like to see that strategy expands a little bit. Um, so regardless of the results against the Dodgers, I think that is going to be, I think that could be pretty beneficial for him the rest of the way. We touched on this a little bit earlier in the show that um, inevitably he's going to run out of innings before the end of the regular season. If they keep using him as a full starter, so we're going to see a transition where um, I think that would be the best case scenario is that they keep him as part of this pitching staff, but just limit the um, have him pitch, you know, in even shorter spurts so that he can still be available to you through the rest of September. And then hopefully into October, I'd rather have that than him making a traditional start eight more times and then be done all the way through um, because at the very least, even during this period of time in particular against that Reds matchup, he showed that the first time through a lineup, he can still be amazing. If he's just using, even if he is just fastball slider, he could be phenomenal in dominance in that role. And I'd like them to recognize that we're in, we're in this moment where they tried something creative with Jorge Lopez. And, um, but all things considered, they are still in a kind of vulnerable spot when it comes to righty relieving once you get past David Robertson. So he has a role on this team one way or another. And yeah, it's fair to wonder exactly how effective he'll be as a starter now for the near future, a traditional starter, but he's still going, 
if they want to, oh, worst case scenario, I think he's going to be hugely valuable in shorter spurts if they choose to deploy him that way. Yeah, I said it before, Sean. Um, I think Isaac was talking about like moving him to late relief for a bullpen or something like that. I still think they want to give this guy the opportunity to start baseball games. So whether that means it's two innings or three innings or four innings or five, if they go for a shorter spurts, I think it's fair to say that they're definitely going to watch his innings. But I do definitely think they want to give this guy the experience to still be the first guy on the mound. So I think they, they will still start him. But like you said, I think it could be more in a like glorified opener role, I guess. Um, you know, and no matter how well he's doing, um, they're they're going to take him out to, to limit those innings. So uh, that could be uh, that could be of frustration to fans probably, but they're doing it for a reason. If they do do if they do decide to go that route, I understand it, but I do think they want to give this guy the opportunity to still start baseball games and not actually come in in relief because he's going to be a starter long term, and that's what they want to build towards. So I I, I think he'll still be starting games, but um, yeah, how long he goes is probably going to be. Um, be uh shortened uh very very quickly here um as they go down the stretch but i i think he will still be a starter appreciate it Cheers, guys. hey thank you very much all right ryan is in here now ryan i know you got some good questions for us man uh go ahead all right y'all so i was um i saw the other day this is minorly related I was gonna ask about um, Yuri Perez before Sean did, but um, no problem, Sean, of course. But um, I was wondering, um, what is the current kind of uh, status on Gerard Encarnacion? Because he got called up last year, hasn't really made any noise this year. Um, so, like, how do you guys feel about him? Because it doesn't seem like he'll get called up at all this year with the season expiring. And obviously Edwards and Johnson playing better than him. So, um, but he, he does have a lot of home runs, even though his average has been low. So what do we think about Gerard? Uh, minor league duck. Minor league duck. I think that's the best way to put it. Sorry to cut you off, Carver, but I mean, this team currently finds himself in the third wild card spot. Uh, I don't think there's any need to call him up. I don't think they will. I mean, they, they literally outrighted him this year. So, you know, they, 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 they took him off the 40 man. It shows how they feel about the player. Uh, when you're striking out at almost 40% in triple, well, you are striking out at 40% in triple at Jacksonville. Uh, really, his only power right now is the homers. His only pod, the only thing you could say good about Jerome Carnison is he has 22 homers on the year. And that's really about it. 91 WRC+. Plus. Uh, they gave him a shot. They tried. He was all right. They sent him down. And obviously now you have, um, you have Bell, you have Yuli, you have Troy, who's been better, so... I think they're they're you know the Gerard Carnacion experiment is done now. Will he get a shot? Maybe with this team next year if this team isn't playing well, maybe if they need that, he's that. But aside from that, I mean, he's not coming up anytime soon. What I can add to what Kevin just said about K rate, um, I mean, this guy's twenty five years old. He still has one minor league option year left, so he still has a year left. I think um, that they can option him to the minor leagues without having to DFA him. Um, you know, or, or risk losing him, I guess I should say. Um, but what I would say is that what Kevin said is true that, you know, he, he was striking out in AAA at a 29% clip last year. And this year in AAA, he's at 39.8. Uh, and that is just not sustainable at AAA. When they call him up, he, he's gotten his chances, he's gotten his opportunities, and he's not really done too terribly much. 
Uh, there are guys that are proving it more so than him, um, you know, in, in recent times and in recent months. So the best case scenario for him, he's a one-tool player. He does very well with power. He has a pretty good arm. His routes in the outfield are questionable, though. So he's a DH type um, that can provide you with a lot of thump off the bench. Um, the Marlins have other guys that can do that, especially here in, in, in these times where they have, you know, these trade acquisitions and everything else. So the, the best case scenario for Urar is to find a new home, hopefully through trade. The Marlins can get something out of him because his power is still so, so good. He's got 60, 60, you know, 60, 70 grade power. So the Marlins can still get something out of that. So, um, hopefully he's still pretty young. He's still only 25, you know, to a team that's really craving power. Maybe he gets something out of him on the prospect side or something. So my, my suggestion, this is nothing official, but my suggestion with the Marlins shop him for younger prospects, um, at the, uh, or maybe something else that they need, maybe at the major league side on a lower level uh, in the offseason. But I still yeah. don't even think he's worth that much. I don't think he's worth anything right now. Yes. You're going to have to try to get something out of this player. But his power really, really is very, very good. He's got prodigal power. So, I mean, if you shop him that way, you can get something, I think. I don't think you necessarily just have to cut him. I think you get you can get something. I just want to step in to say that they cannot get anything for him. He's going to be because they they outrighted him off the 40 man, which means that they they DFA'd him and nobody wanted him. And but because yeah. he is so early in his service time, they were able to keep him in the organization. But what it means is he's not on the 40 man. They don't have options to use on him anymore unless they put him back on the 40 man. So he's going yeah. to be a minor league free agent this offseason. Right. So unless they again, unless they re-add him to the roster, and he's, they're not going to do that because he's because of this about just all the issues that Kevin laid out. There's just not any strength to his game aside from that terrific all-field power, but he's not getting to that power enough. He doesn't play, he doesn't defend enough. He doesn't he's not a base runner. There's yeah, there's just not any there's not enough there. So I expect him to be a minor league free agent. They're going to unfortunately lose him. For nothing. That is what I expect. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to see them. Sorry, Kevin. It's tough to see them losing a player for nothing. Uh, this guy still does have one very good tool. So my point in saying that, Eli, was: Are they going to put this guy back on the roster? You're probably right. They probably won't. But I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe this is the one of the minor league calls instead of Johnston or instead of Edwards because they want to like get that extra year of service time. Like it's possible. It's not impossible. And maybe he can come off the bench and provide a little bit of thump. Like I said, I don't know. I, 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 it's tough to see the Marlins losing a player for nothing. Ryan is my my. They don't like to do that. They they really don't like to do that. And um, it, it would be tough to see them lose a player for nothing, especially a guy that has it's one very good tool, but he does have a very good tool. So um, I don't know. Um, maybe they add him as a September call up. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, like Eli said, but. It's possible. Um, I, I just don't know if they want to lose this guy for nothing, but we'll see what they do. The last thing I'll quickly mention is I don't buy all of Gerard's homers. If you guys watch Triple and Jacksonville games and you guys look at that outfield fence, I think half the fish on first step would be able to hit a homer in that ballpark. Just saying. I, Gerard's taller than the fence itself. Man. Uh, I wouldn't buy any of that. Jacob Amaya was hitting bombs left and right around the first half of the year. And I don't buy half of those homers. Just saying. I just want to mention that. Yeah, the left, that right, right field is 
Um, guy's done a really good job. Every every time I've seen that guy pitch this year, he's done a very, very good job. So I, I have been very impressed with him. An under-the-radar guy, and a very unheralded pitcher that nobody thinks about the service that a late reliever provides. But this guy has done a lot for this team, and I'm very proud to see that from George Soriano, who has done very well with the fastball, very well with the slider, which he's always had. And then he's continuing to build on this changeup, which is also very, very good. So I like this guy a lot. Um, I think he's fine where he is, and I think he's, that's where he's going to be for his career, which is there's something to be said for that. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And um, we'll go. I guess we'll go to Devin now. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Good questions, Devin. You came in here laughing. And I, I know you got something. Just, just go ahead. Uh, just you know, shout out to Alex. Guy's loyal to his to his uh, minor leaders. That's like dedication, man. Shout out to you. Um, I did have a little topic I wanted to discuss. Just what's your guys' thoughts on the lineup, um, the construction? You know, I don't really think uh, I have a set like perfect lineup in my head, but I haven't really been too happy about the one that Skip has deployed. What what would be your guys' like perfect ideal lineup? I had one that I put in our staff chat the other day. Let me find it, but I'll let Kevin go first before I find it. You are at all nine spots. There you go, Devin. You happy with that? That's like a hundred percent strikeout rate. But moving forward, um, I like the one they put out on Friday. Uh, I'll say that. I know Isaac was very adamant about that lineup as well. We were talking about it, and I like the one they put out on Friday. One of their better ones this year, I would say. Obviously, I like Burger like towards the. I like off Burger towards the bottom. Solaire, I've liked that lead off. I didn't mind Arise's three spot today or yesterday either. I didn't know he was actually. I, again, I was doing FIU stuff, but I wasn't able to watch the game. I didn't know Arise was even hitting third until Noah pointed it out to me today. So I like him there at that spot. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know where I I. I, one thing I know for sure is that I don't like Jazz leading off. I, I hate that. Yeah, I think he can provide a lot of value in his lineup. Obviously, he can lengthen it as soon as he came back. Fourth spot isn't exactly a perfect spot for him either, but I, I much prefer, I would much rather him be there than leading off. I, I think a rise is a perfect one. Like I said, when they did make these two acquisitions, that in my perfect world, a perfect the lineup would be a rise Solaire. Del- oh, I don't know, it. Bell, I guess, would be hitting third. I didn't think he'd be this nasty. But Bell, Jazz, Cleanup, Burger, Five, Sanchez, Six, uh, Wendell, and et cetera. But, yeah, I, I think that's how the first five have to go, in my opinion. I found my lineup that I preferred. I will read it off right now. I put this out on Tuesday when we were discussing why is Soler hitting leadoff, and we found out why. Um, I have I had a rise leadoff, Jazz two, DLC three, Solaire cleanup, Bell fifth, Burger six, Jesus Sanchez seven, whatever catcher you want to put in eight. I like Birdie as the as the ghost leadoff at nine. I mean, no, no disrespect, and there's a reason why they put him at nine sometimes. They, just like getting another leadoff guy once you start to get into the game. I think I like it, although. Skip did kind of allude to on Tuesday that, you know, there's guys that don't like the bat certain spots in the lineup when discussing uh, the change. And a big part of me starting to think that maybe Solaire doesn't like batting cleanup. So I don't know if that would ever be realistic, but I feel like if I put that lineup out there, it, it would win some games. I don't know if you guys agree. I feel like I mean, the silence on it means that maybe you don't like it. Yeah, I just don't, I don't have a comment right now. Given, I, I do like the one that came out on Friday, though. I, I will agree with 
three there. I think that's probably your best lineup you've seen in a, in a minute. Yeah, well, I'll echo what Isaac said about the top of it. Um, yeah, I, I think to me that the best top three, pretty clear to me, would be Arise, Solaire, and then Josh Bell. What do you do the rest of the way? I don't feel super strongly. We're at the stage of the season, unfortunately, where it's a, um, yeah, there's not too many hard decisions to be made in terms of who plays. Like essentially, they're platooning Wendell and Birdie. And if you look at the splits, they kind of back that up. And then it's basically an even timeshare between Stallings and Fortes. But um, yeah, in terms of the guys, those guys, both in, in my opinion, Birdie and Wendell and then Stallings and Fortes, those guys are going to be eight, nine, no matter what you do anyway. Um, I, there was some enthusiasm about Birdie. I know he had a really great stretch for the first few weeks coming out of the all-star break. Um, but yeah, I, I can't justify putting him near the top of the lineup with the impact that those other guys can make in, in several different ways. Um, so yeah, but to me, I'm probably higher on jazz than a lot of people are at this moment. You guys get so um, it takes like one game for people to get frustrated with all the strikeouts. And then the very next game, he goes two for four with double a home run. And he steals third base and does all that. So I'd still have jazz. Yeah. Jazz probably that in cleanup behind Arise and Solaire and bell. And then what, yeah, then what you do from there, it's DLC and, and Sanchez and Berger in, in some order. I think the way that Berger is playing lately, I'd probably have Berger ahead of those outfielders and have Berger five. Um, so I, I to me, with the DLC, I, I feel like they've been overexposing him a little bit. Yeah, to me, I, I really don't want DLC in the top half of the lineup at all. Um, but I, I, he is solid, and I do want him around in those late game situations as well. But yeah, I guess now I, that, that, now that I talk it out, I would ideally have Arise, Solaire, Bell, Jazz, Berger, uh, DLC, then Sanchez, shortstop at eight and your catcher at nine. That's probably what I would go with.
that was just the best I've had of the ninth inning, in my opinion, the most important one, I should say. Uh, so that was that was great to see from him. David, any other questions? No, nah, I think we're good, guys. Thanks for everything you do. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for uh, super subscribing, of course, man. Uh, we got a couple of requests. We'll, we'll go hard cut off at, uh, at 9 o'clock. We'll bring in the, the Dino Sir, I believe, this person talked last week. The what? Wow, okay. That, that, that's that's her name. Anyways, look, floor is yours, my man. Uh, you can ask your question. Hey, hello. Uh, you guys can hear me fine? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so I just I have a couple of questions. Uh, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on the performances of our new acquisition, newish now acquisitions, uh, both in the minor league level and in the major league level, with um, mainly focusing on both uh, I believe it's Jorge Lopez and uh, Weathers. I know Weathers did just I believe one start in the minors since we got him, but from what I heard from at least Jorge Lopez this year was that he was terrible and i know he was a, an all-star i believe last year but do you guys see anybody who's watched his performances last year see any similarities with his performance last year or do you think it's more of just a fluke or did you just need a change of scenery or what do you guys think because i i feel like he's done pretty well for us since we've acquired him other than that one ranger start the rangers appearance sorry so are you talking about lopez or what Oh, uh, Lopez, Lopez. Uh, I can't I say he gave too much. A, a yeah. run against Cincinnati, maybe two runs. I think that final game. But uh, he has been great this year. Uh, he's got time to, to turn it around. Uh, but Dylan Flora was also struggling too. I mean, it was uh, it was a struggling player for a struggling player trade, sort of. But uh, he's got an extra year of control, which. That was the common theme amongst what uh, Shim traded for this deadline. Players with control, the only one that doesn't, that's not on the contract for next year, or able to play next year for the Marlins without an extension would be uh, Robertson. Uh, I mean, Jake Berger, five years control. Josh Bell, player option that he'll probably opt into unless he goes scorched earth the final month. Lopez has another year. And Ryan Weathers has, like, years and years of pop control, like over a half decade, I believe. So, uh, Lopez, I wouldn't say he's, like, Project D, but uh, he, I don't know how he really fits in this year because, he again, he has struggled a lot this year. But I, I think his upside's greater than his, his downside, I would say. Oh, no, he's definitely a project. He's 150% a project. Um, I mean... You can look at stats across the board. He's allowing more hard contact this year. Um, he's striking out less guys. Like you know, it, it's 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 a um, it's a uh, it's a very 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 um, project piece for the Marlins. Um, they're hoping they can get something out of this guy. Maybe the change of scenery goes into it, as you said. Um, but no, this guy is definitely both of these guys, Weathers and um, and Lopez. But since you asked about Lopez, these guys are definitely projects. Um, the ceiling for this guy is, is pretty good. Um, I mean, he works when he's at his best. He works all around the zone. He can elevate with heat. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, when he's not at his best, though, um, and he's not getting ground balls, and he's not, you know, commanding as best as he can, it looks really, really, really bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, his ground ball rate this year, 49.2. 
Um, yeah, that's that's as low as it's been since uh, 2020, uh, which of course was the COVID year. So no, this guy is uh, is definitely a project. Um, the Marlins are going to have to try to get value out of him. Um, can they do it? I wouldn't doubt Mel. We said that when he got here. Um, so we'll see what he does. Um, he needs to really command the sinker. Um, he can elevate as well when he wants to. Um, but man, this guy has the ability to work the entire strike zone. He just really needs to start doing it. Um, that's what Mel needs to get out of him, and we'll see how they go. But yes, he's definitely a multi-year project for sure. Okay, and uh, just one more question: uh, How you guys were talking about, you know, uh, the September call-ups and with uh, people like Johnston and, and Xavier Edwards? Where would you? Because I feel like, unluckily or luckily enough, however you want to view it, we have probably our better hitting prospects in the minor leagues log jammed by good hitters as well in the major leagues. Like uh, Johnson is first base, I believe, and we have Bell. We just got him, and, uh, and then Xavier Edwards log jammed by uh, Arias or even Jazz because he has a little bit of center field experience. Where would you? fit them into the lineup would you would you dh someone would you maybe try to trade someone else or would you have them sitting on the bench playing platoon like what do you think their plan is as well what do you think should be the plan moving forward with these two when you do call them up well i'll let somebody else go ahead i know eli just wrote about johnson on the website but i have passionate feelings about this but i'll let somebody else go ahead on this one yeah with edwards with Edwards, what they tried entering this year, they liked him a lot entering this season, and that's why they wanted to give him as many routes as possible to contribute. That's why they tried to teach him center field, even though he didn't have much experience. At this point in the season, they've already kind of tabled that possibility uh, of him playing center. Obviously, we saw him play a few games there earlier this year in the majors, and they tried in the minors to give him a lot of reps, but it didn't stick. So with him, it, it's an infielder, but it's not a shortstop, and as you mentioned, with some of the trade deadline activity, bring in Berger, that clogs up third base quite a bit, but clogs up third base with a good player. And then with second base, you have a rise, who even though he's been a full-time second baseman every day this year, I do wonder what that will look like next year, even regardless of if Bell returns. I think that is the question of how flexible they'll be with a rise, knowing that he can play other positions as well, like first base. Um, and perhaps even more DH if, if Solaire, all these pieces are kind of interconnected, right? So if Solaire leaves and you open up your DH spot a lot more, then you either have Bell playing there more or Arise playing there more, and you actually have a role for a backup second baseman of some kind. And I think that's where Edwards would fit in because what he's doing in particular, Troy's been amazing, but what Edwards has been doing, um, the, the, the contact rate and also the, Everything about his his ability to get on base today, I think he got on base five times, four times with walks, and then once reaching on an error because he's so fast. Like he he has certainly improved his stock this year. It's not empty numbers. It's like the numbers he made it pretty clear this year that he should be in the big leagues in some role. So with him, I'm more optimistic about them finding a spot for him on the roster next year, kind of contingent on what they do with um with somebody like Solaire. Um whether getting some reps at second base, some at third base when Berger sits against certain righties, I I think he's going to have a role of some kind. Um, The reality with him and with Troy and with every hitting prospect in this organization is that these guys, not every top prospect is created equal. Like these guys don't project as everyday, good everyday starters in the majors. Like that's not a realistic expectation for any of these guys in the system. Unfortunately, this system is 
really dry in particular on hitters right now. Um, so with these are not guys that you should be thinking about moving good veteran players to make room for them because the likely outcome is they won't be as good as the veteran players that we're talking about, whether it's somebody like Solaire or whether it's trading. Uh, I mean, you could point to just about anybody trading, like say John birdie, for example, um, like is, is Edwards going to be better than John birdie? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's like a possibility that he isn't. They do some things similarly, but you shouldn't take for granted like what they have at the big leagues already with um, some of those guys. And as you, you kind of summed it up though with, with Troy that, yeah, it's really hard to carve out a role for him if Josh Bell is on the roster next year. And um, we'll, so we'll see how that plays out in the unusual situation that he plays so well that he opts out and tests free agency. And that opens up room for Troy. I think the near term decision with him, we touched on this earlier in the show is they made the decision not to even put him on the 40 man roster last offseason. They exposed him to the rule five drafts and nobody wanted him. I agree with Carver that that's going to be different this time around that he is hitting at such a high level and he's done. He's hitting at such a high level now throughout his entire minor league career that you can't, you got to protect him. Like, I do think he's going to be on this roster. I do think he's going to come to spring training with an opportunity to find some sort of role on the roster. And we'll see what opens up in terms of injuries or in terms of Bell's status, potential free agent status as well. So his path is a little bit murkier as well. Um, the unfortunate, the, the reason why, like we just haven't seen much of them is because this team has progressively gotten healthier as this year has gone on. Like they have been, we've complained about this in the past as recently as last year about the injuries. There's one guy on this team in, in jazz who unfortunately on the hitting side has been out with injury a lot of this year, but otherwise look around the majors like Marlins have been a fortunate team health wise on the hitting side. And yet their hitters still haven't performed. So it is a weird situation where they've been pretty healthy on the hitting side and yet their hitting as a whole has been bad. And um, yeah, you want to find ways to create more offense. Um, and I just, I, unfortunately, I don't know if these hitting prospects at the moment really move the needle all that much uh, compared to the guys they'd be replacing. Does that mean you call him up right now? 
Maybe. Um, I, I think it's definitely possible. Um, he does have defensive uh, limitations. He can only either play left field or first base. That's the only places that he can play, for sure. Um, and with the, what the Marlins have in the outfield, with Avi still around, and Soler, and Jazz, and everybody else, Daylight Cruz, and everybody else, Sadie, through Sanchez, all these guys that they have around, there's, there's little room to be had there. So unless you call him up and just sit him on the bench, that's not what you want to do. I, I would really not love to see that. But um, is there room to make him the backup first baseman? Uh, Yuli Gurriel is very good defensively. Maybe there's a way to get him into games there. Who knows if he comes up by the end of the year. But you do have to protect him before that deadline. You 100% have to do that and put him on the 40-man roster. So is he going to contribute to a playoff team? Maybe. Is he not? Maybe. Is he going to be on the 40-man roster by the time that deadline comes? I 100% think so. Um, yeah, so um, that's the guy that they, they're they really going to have to point to because I, I think he will definitely go if they don't, and I don't think they want to lose him for nothing. So, yeah, uh, Edwards has a little bit more positional flexibility. You could put him in center field. You could probably put him in the corners if you needed to in left field. You could put him at third base. You can put him at shortstop if you want to. Um, so yeah, that guy has a little more positional flexibility. I think we'll see Xavier Edwards play more games for the Marlins before the end of the season, uh, whether there's an injury or whatever it may be, he just has a lot of flexibility. So I think I would see more of a chance for Edwards to play major league games for the Marlins than Johnston this year. Um, but Johnston will be on the 40 man by the time that rule five deadline comes for sure. Okay. And, uh, because I just feel like there's a, there's a fear I have and hopefully maybe some other people do have that you take these hot players in the, in the minor leagues, and even, for example, you, you uh, equate it to something like sending Ernie down. You know, I feel like you bring them up here just to sit on the bench because we have so many of their spots taken. I feel like that would be detrimental to their development just as much as uh, leaving them down there would be detrimental for us. So I, I feel like the organization as a whole is sort of, you know, caught in between and I, I don't believe either choice is something that would benefit us either way unless we get real lucky some way or another, you know? I would agree uh, in the sense that you look at what happened to Jacob Amaya earlier this year and you looked at uh, what happened to Xavier Edwards earlier this year when he was up. I mean, those guys got called up after tearing it up in the minors. It was all cool. And then never really played. So luckily they both bounced back fairly well. I know Mayo was hitting a rough stretch there for a second, but I believe he's gotten together. But I see what you're saying there for sure. But uh, it, it is a team competing for a playoff spot down the stretch. There's not really a spot for any of them. I have a brief question to either Carver or Eli or Kevin. Who offensively on the position player side in the system has the best on base ability? You know, I'm not talking about hit tool. You know, Edwards, Troy, they're you know they're they're striking the ball, they don't walk a lot. Who has the best on base? Who has the best eye? You know, I know Kirby love Jeff McNeil. So who's the guy like that that they have though? Nassim, right? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I I would say that we just talked about. It. I would say the best pure approach and hit tool in this organization right now. If you're going by just approach, hit tool, ability to limit strikeouts, ability to just take what you can get at the plate and work counts. He's definitely attacked more early in counts, as I told you guys last night. He's definitely attacked more early in counts this year, and he's done very well with that. Um, But I would definitely say the best pure approach hitter in the organization is Johnston. It is definitely Troy Johnston to me. I remember playing on base, not just pure hitter. I'm saying Edwards. I would go to the best on base. Edwards is striking out at a 5.6%. 
walking 11.3, uh, yeah, I'm not saying strikeout numbers. Yeah, a rise doesn't strike out, but he also doesn't get on base a lot. I'm saying who's got the best on base skills on that. I know. I knew where your question was. Yeah. Thank you. Edwards. I don't. My opinion. What's Edwards' walk percentage? Eleven point three. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. And he has a four four three OBP. But Troy can go gap to gap more. Troy has a little bit more power than Edwards. Um, So yeah, the the bat to ball skills for Troy I think are better than Edwards. Edwards does probably have better patience, as you just said, Kevin. But the best back-to-ball skills, an on-base guy in this organization right now today is Johnston to me. And I, I oh, want to... You, you know me, I will not argue with you when it comes to Troy. So. But, I mean, I higher ceiling, like, sure, but you can't say he's got better back-to-ball skills than Edwards. He literally doesn't strike out. I, I think with the adjustments that, that Troy has made, it's, it's such a unique approach to, like, you look at him with his front foot... I, I'm going to go long. I, I won't go long on this, I promise, because I know you guys got more stuff to we'll get see. to. But look at how he has... Isaac, go watch a triple-A game, or any of you guys that are listening, not just Isaac, go watch a triple-A game and look how he has his front hip turned in to the pitcher when he starts to hit. That is so unique, and then he moves it out as the pitch is coming to him. That is so unique and such a unique timing trigger for this guy. It's crazy good how he is able to make that work and so cool. So if he, when he does make it up, or maybe we'll interview him before he makes it up, that's something to ask him about is how do you make this such a unique approach work? And it's something that he's developed here in the last year. He didn't used to hit like that. He used to have a much different approach. So to get better in your approach and how unique that he is, I think that this is definitely a guy that is very good. And I, as Kevin said earlier today, Isaac, I know you saw this, his bat-to-ball profile translates so well to Major League Baseball. I'm not saying this guy's going to come up and be a 300 hitter. I'm not saying that. But I think this guy could come up and immediately be an impact to the organization. So with that being said, like I said, um, I really do think that the best on-base profile between hit, block, everything else that we just said, I think that this is the best pure hitter in the organization and the best on-base guy in the organization over Edwards, even though Edwards has the patience over Troy. But I I really think Edwards is, is, I'm, I'm sorry, I really think Troy is the guy that I point to to say that, man, that guy's the best on-base guy in the org right now. I mean, I'm just feeling to find a comp for Troy, a big league comp, because I know he's got like, it's hard. He have a lot of power, not a lot of start, a good hit tool, but you know those home runs are going to go down when he's not playing in the Triple H Jacksonville yeah. stadium with a joke over right field porch. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm feeling to find a comp for him if Eli or someone has one for Troy. Like a first baseman that doesn't have a lot of power, I don't know. No, I think long-term, I think long-term, to a corner. Um, I don't think he has the power to stick at first base, but... I don't want uh, to disrespect Troy, but would Coop be the, 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 the comp? No, I mean, no, no, he doesn't have the power of Coop. So no. no disrespect Troy, what do you mean? Coop, that would be great. I like, I love Troy. So, you know... If, if he became anything like Garrett Cooper, that is the like, the biggest win of, you know, home-developed players that they've ever had. That would be the best thing they've ever developed. So, yes, hopefully he ends up like Cooper. I wish he could be I hope we can be better. All right. The Dino, sir, you got any more questions, man? No, none. Thank you guys all for the answers. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening. We'll go. We got our last speaker here. We usually do a 9 p.m. hard cutoff, uh, more or less. So we'll, we'll end it here. Uh, but uh, first, let's, let's get this final question in. The floor is yours. Thanks, guys. This is the first time I've uh, sp- uh, spoken to one of these. I went to the game on Friday, disappointing that they lost. 
Um, I, I have two questions. My first question is uh, where they are right now in the wild card standings. How many wins do you think that they would need by the end of the season to make the wild card? I think I think we spoke about this maybe a two spaces ago. Yeah, I think it was last week. Right. Yeah. And I think Eli said it would be maybe a little bit lower than usual, and I think yes. that's how I see it. I don't think it'll be 88, 89. I think it'll be more like 85, 84, 86. Right. There. Last year, let me just pull it up to triple check myself. Last year, the Phillies got in in that final spot with 87. It's going to be lower than that um, because of the way that several of these other teams are totally imploding. The way that uh, the Diamondbacks have done it, and the only reason they turned it around is because they ran into the Padres, and it doesn't look like the Padres are going to be a real threat here. And the Reds, they're just, are they about to get swept in a doubleheader today, potentially? Um, they, they continue to free fall as well. Uh, long story short, I think 84 is the magic number. I think 84 likely gets it done. 85 would should be a lock. So that's what you're talking about. For a team at this moment, they are, what, five games over? If they finish six games over, I think I think if they just win the slight majority of their games the rest of the way, I think that's enough. I think that would get them in. And then my, my other question is, a guy that I uh, thought could uh, come up in, at the uh, September 1st and help the shortstop position, Jake Lamaya. Uh, what are your thoughts on him coming up? Uh, he struggled. He struggled in the second half. Ever since his call-out, actually, his demotion, we could say, is when he has struggled. I really wouldn't call him up right now, to be honest with you. I would call up Edwards, and I would just, you know, I would just call up Edwards over him right now, to be honest with you. And right now, Wendell's where he is fairly fine. I know Wendell has struggled, but he still provides you an amazing glove, fantastic glove at shortstop. And, if you know, we've, we've seen Wendell at times this season be a good hitter, so... You know, I, I would still count on Wendell and, and that Birdie Wendell platoon we're seeing. And obviously, I like Edwards. So I would like Edwards or Johnston to call if you're going to call the hitter. Well, the other the distinction hitter. between Edwards and Amaya is the running. The fact that Edwards has been an amazing base runner down there. That's a dimension of this team that is still kind of lacking. If you like wonder why, kind of the at this moment, why the offense is so up and down even now, um, aside from Jazz. And Birdie, they just do not get very much base running value out of anybody. And Edwards is a guy that late in games, um, he can steal you bases. He can go take extra bases that few other guys on this roster can do. And then he can at least fake it at several different positions in those later innings if you want to continue him in the game. Like him him more so than anybody else. That's why I'm pretty confident that he's the one that's going to get an opportunity later on because he fits in really well as a role player. People want him... I know the dream is that he settles into a more prominent role moving forward. For the here and now, at least he, there is a niche that Edwards can fill more so than Amaya. Amaya, at best, like an average-ish runner. He had those Miggy Rowe comps when they made that trade for Miggy Rowe, and those comps uh, run pretty deep in terms of base running as well. He's not quite as speedy as your traditional shortstop is. You're right. Um, I would definitely point to Edwards because of a positional flexibility and then, like you said, speed. Um, but Amaya definitely has the glove, and man, he's been pretty good in August. Um, his August has been has been pretty good so far: three ten, three seventy five, four fifty two. Um, he had two hits tonight, so um, it's not impossible. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I would say that um, that Edwards is the guy over him. Edwards only fakes it at shortstop. Amaya is a great shortstop. 
Um, but I think Amaya definitely is a longer-term piece uh, versus Edwards, who's just been great all year. So, um, yeah, uh, positional flexibility, speed, uh, and then just the ability with the athleticism that uh, Mr. Edwards has to at least fake it at shortstop. I think Edwards is definitely your guy over Amaya, but Amaya's going to be interesting next year, so we're going to see what he has then. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, sorry, just one more. Um, right, if, the Mar- if the Marlins do make the postseason, what seed would you want them to get in the wild card? Uh, depending on who they play in the first round or if they win the first round and make it to the division series? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question because I, I think there's benefits to, to everything, but my main thing has just been avoiding the Braves because, look, you get the four seed, you get to host a wild card round. That's really cool, but you win that, you got to go play the Braves in the NLDS. So I think I would actually... I think I prefer the six. You go to the central winner's home, and then if you win that, you go to L.A. Um, I think that gives you at least a little bit of a better path to get to the NLCS and having to go through Atlanta. Because I think Atlanta's probably going to win the World Series this year, if I had to guess. Well, yeah, because from what I understand, if you're the four or five seed, you face each other, like the fifth, if you're the fourth, you face the fifth, et cetera. Yeah. And then you face the Braves, assuming that they're the number one team in the National League. So I, I think six isn't the worst one, except you just don't guarantee to host the playoff game, which is something that I'm sure, you know, Bruce Sherman and everyone wants in Miami. But I think in that instance, you'd be facing the Brewers or whatever central team, like Grant said, comes out of there. And then you go and face the Dodgers, assuming that they're the number two seed, which it looks like they will be. So I think six is the, is the best seed for this team in particular. Weren't the Phillies the sixth seed last year? I mean, it worked out for them, right? Uh, at least a little bit. <clears throat> I don't know. The fact that they don't reseed the teams is a weird added aspect. I feel like they should do that the way the NFL does it. I feel like the sixth seed, if you win your series, should have to go to the one seed and benefit the, the four or five seed. But, oh, well, you find a loophole. I guess you take it, right? So I, I think my answer would actually be 16. If you asked me that a few months ago, I don't know if I would have agreed because I really want the Marlins to host a playoff series. But if you win your wild card series, you're hosting at least one game, even if you get swept like out of the building, like you leak at game three. So I say take your best chance to win, um, win game or win your wild card series. Although I guess we haven't really talked about the five seeds. If you get the five seed. You have to go on the road. I guess that would actually give you a, a slightly easier path, depending on who the four seed is, to just get to the next round. But you still have to play the Braves. So I think my philosophy is just avoiding the Braves. They're they're too good. They're, they're probably going to win the World Series this year, unless either one of the Texas teams gets them or the Dodgers go scorched to earth in, in October. But it, it wouldn't be in the Marlins' best interest to play them in the postseason. What do you mean? The Marlins have the Braves' number, dude. They crushed that Oh, team. yeah. Of course. Yeah, in my dreams, they, they do. Man, we have Navi from Marlins Discord listening in, and he just put out a comment in the Discord about why this is still going after more than two hours, and I don't have a great answer for that other than people are still listening. If everybody stopped listening and left, then I guess we would stop talking, but there still is an audience for our content, I guess. So that, to answer your question, Navi, as long as there are still people here that want to listen to this, we're about to wrap up anyway. I know LMF, he sent me a message privately as well. He wanted me to point out that 
last year, the Marlins did not win their 62nd game until September 18th. They're more than a month ahead of last year's pace in terms of reaching that number. Um, aside from that, is there anything else LMF that you want to add in closing here? No, just everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and I'm driving it. So keep jumping on. Just keep in mind that don't live and breathe by every game. Uh, don't get all negative. Keep your hopes up. Keep your dreams up because this doesn't happen. We haven't had an over 500 season since 2009. So this is not something to take for granted. It's fun. Keep the energy up, and we'll see you at the ballpark after you super subscribe to uh, Fish on First for $3 or more on fishonfirst.com. Cheers. Hey, it's pretty good. We'll, we'll go out on that. Um, so thank you to everyone who spoke. Thank you to those who are still listening. If you listen the entire two hours, uh, we'll, we're going to give you a medal. Uh, I mean, it's great that we do have an audience after this. I mean, we talked about Troy Johnston for – half an hour we still got 50 people listening it's awesome great conversation why wouldn't we talk about that oh i don't know but in terms of next week it kind of hit me while we were listening to this it's a 410 game next week so we might fire these spaces up right after the game ends i think we might actually do a different time next week that just now hit me we'll talk about that amongst the staff but either way we'll see you next sunday we got all sorts of content coming out this week biggest week yet probably for the Marlins. so uh Make sure you guys watch and read official first content. So uh, thank you very much. We'll, We'll see you next week.